All right. Well, <clears throat> uh, we are going to look this morning at Exodus 31. Exodus chapter 31, and we're going to discuss, uh, continue discussing uh, where we kind of left off last week. And I left you with a question to consider this week that I want to uh, answer as we go along this morning. We'll get to this. And the question was, is God himself an artist? And, uh, and I think that's an important question for us to ask. Uh, but uh, first, I want us to consider some other places where we see this calling of artists in the scriptures and what that is and, uh, and how, that, uh, how that plays itself out uh, in the text. I think uh, this is one of several important places where we see the calling of the artist in the Bible, and uh, there's a very specific task given to them. And so... Uh, I think in some ways, uh, what, what I hope to accomplish in all of this is that uh, we would, uh, first and foremost, obviously have uh, a right understanding of the arts from the scriptures and our understanding of God's purposes in the arts and understanding that the arts are, in, are ordained by, inspired by uh, God. But I also want to encourage anyone who is an artist or artistic uh, that uh, there would be an understanding that these are, these are uh, good things, these are right things to be utilized uh, for God's glory and for his kingdom and for uh, his, his purposes. And so uh, hopefully as we look at this specific calling that we see in this text, we have a better understanding of that as well. So uh, one of the, this is one of the good places to understand a biblical worldview of the artist uh, themselves where God calls uh, two men here. And uh, we have Oholiab and Bezalel, I think is how we say those. <laughs> uh, these are good names if you're naming a child to put into the hopper. We'll figure out uh, what they mean and utilize them for your children. Uh, so we're going to read about Bezalel and Oholiab and uh, see what uh, the Lord had for them. So if uh, someone will read for us, let's read verses 1 through uh, 6. Can someone read that for us? Excellent. Thank you. You even had the, you had the at the end of the 8th. That was very good. That was outstanding. Very well done with your Hebrew pronunciation there. <laughs> All right, so one of the things we see here is that although uh, we need to recognize, although these men are given specific gifts, uh, that there's a broader application in uh, the arts across the board here. But what are the specific gifts that we see given here? Okay, stonework, what else? Okay, good. Those are really important. We have ability and intelligence. We're going to talk about that and knowledge of all craftsmanship. Right? So those three things, we're going to talk about those three specific things. What else? It's right there in the text. What does verse 4 say? Gold, silver, bronze. We said stone works. What other kind of works? Okay. <laughs> Carving wood. Good. I'm not doing all the work here today, so you guys have to talk. 
All right, so we have all of these artistic crafts or craftsmanship or ways of working with specific elements. And the Lord has given them, he's filled them with the Spirit of God and ability and intelligence and knowledge to do these things. And so God has given them a unique calling. And so the first thing we have to acknowledge, though, is what they're doing is not necessarily normative for all Christian art. There is a very specific task that the Lord has given them, and there's a very specific reason why he has filled them with these things by his Spirit. Um, Nevertheless, this teaches us several things that we can understand in developing a theology of the arts. The first is, uh, as we see right here, and as we've hopefully been conveying, is that the artist's uh, calling is a unique gift from God, that uh, those who are given the ability to create uh, things that are beautiful and glorifying to God uh, come as a specific uh, gift. And we all know that in our own experience. Some of us are uh, more... uh, capable artists than others. Now, all of us can design something or, or craft something, uh, but uh, depending on the measure of gift that you've been given, uh, no matter how much training you may have, uh, some are simply more gifted than others. Uh, there, there, is, there is an extent where training runs out and giftedness has to take over. Uh, you can take all the art classes you want, uh, but uh, the Lord gives this as a specific gift. Um, Secondly, I think we see through the scriptures, and hopefully uh, we've been able to understand, uh, we see these kinds of things as sort of visual art, uh, but uh, the Lord loves all kinds of art. We've looked at music. Uh, We have yet to, but we're going to talk about literature and poetry and where we see these kinds of things in in the uh, scriptures as well. These are types of art. Uh, So, God loves all different kinds of art, and I think that's evident here as we, as we see they're working in gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood and uh, working in every craft, it says. And so there's a, there's a big variety here. Uh, God maintains high standards, as we've talked about in terms of goodness and truth and beauty. And so he has filled these men with a specific gift in order that they would do what he has called them to do excellently. And uh, what's, what do you notice about the materials they're working with, especially in verse 4? What's, what's important about those specific materials? Yes. Uh, they're, they're precious metal. And even today, these are, these are some of the greatest things that anyone could work with. They're, in terms of materials in the natural world, to work with gold and silver especially is, uh, is a pretty special thing, right? These are, these are very expensive. Like gold currently about $1,500 an ounce. Silver, uh, I think $32 an ounce right now. Uh, very special materials to utilize in order to, uh, to create something to create something uh, to glorify God. And, and he's very specific about their use here. And then, fourthly, and we've been talking about, especially last week, that art is for God's glory as with anything else. Um, 
So to understand these principles at play, what do we need to understand about God's character, God's nature, uh, the artistry uh, that's been displayed in this world? Well, <clears throat> this chapter begins with God calling these men to be the official artists that he's utilizing to grant gifts to fulfill this specific calling, this specific vocation. He's given them the skill. He says in verse 6, uh, I've appointed uh, these men, uh, given to all able men ability that they may make all that I have commanded you. And so God has given specific instructions as to what he wants constructed, what he wants to be made, what he wants to be uh, rendered artistically, and, uh, and what was it? What are they working on here at this point in Exodus? Uh, before the temple, yeah, the tent, right? The, this, this tent of, uh, of meeting, uh, which was their tabernacle uh, at, uh, at the time. And so it was designed to be an earthly copy of God's heavenly dwelling place, right? This is, this is where the people went and met with God in the presence of God. And so in order to make it, all of this work needed to be done. Uh, if you look back earlier chapters, uh, there is, uh, there's sawing, there's building, there's sewing, there is cabinet making, there's casting, there's metal working, there's stone cutting, there's engraving, right? All of these things are being done in order to get what it is that God wants uh, in this tent. Now, no, none of us know anybody who is excellent at all of those things. Right now, someone may be able to do all of those things relatively well, but in terms of doing them all excellently, of the finest quality, that's a lot of different people working uh, within this tent, right? And creating everything God has commanded for this tent to be constructed in the way uh, that will glorify Him and please Him. And so he has, he has gifted many people, many different artists, and all of their labors are, are being put to work here. And God indicates that the work had to be done in a very specific way. He says in verse uh, 1 of chapter 26, Moreover, you shall make the tabernacle with ten curtains of fine twined linen and blue and purple and scarlet yarns. You shall make them with cherubim skillfully worked into them. Right, so this isn't... Oh, my, my sister has a sewing machine. She'll just kind of throw something together, right? No, this is, we need to find the best seamstress in order to do this because this is a part of, of God's dwelling place. This has to be the absolute best. We want the greatest here. It must be done skillfully. And we see that, uh, that repeated many different times. In chapter 28, in verse 3, you shall speak to all the skillful whom I have filled with a spirit of skill, that they may make Aaron's garments to consecrate him for my priesthood. And so now we're talking about the one who designs and creates uh, the clothing that is to be, wear, uh, to be worn. Uh, th these are to be done in a skillful manner because this is a part of uh, what is, is being done in, the, in service to God. Uh, so it, it, was, it was no job for Moses, right? Why couldn't Moses have done all of this? 
Well, yes, that's one thing. It's a, it's a lot of work to do, right? There's a lot being done. But why else? Yeah. These weren't Moses' gifts. These weren't the skills given to Moses. He wasn't called to be an artist for uh, the kingdom. And so this isn't something, uh, even though he was the one writing down all of the instructions as they were given uh, by God, it wasn't his job because it wasn't his gift. But it was the gift of certain others. Moses was a prophet, but the tabernacle at the time of its building needed artists. It needed people with the right eye, with the right skill, with the right gift given to them by the Spirit. And so in order to fulfill its divine function, God's holy dwelling had to be made by the best artisans and with the finest materials. Nothing else would suffice. So God calls these two men, and they're going to serve as his chief artists, his master craftsmen. Uh, his, his, uh, uh, we, we have uh, the Bezalel and Aholiab, I think I'm saying. You approve of that, Sam? Bezalel and Aholiab? All right. Uh, so what's interesting about these men, how were they chosen? How were they selected for this task? Yeah. God specifically calls them by name, right? Which is really interesting. It's very unique because think about this. If you look in the New Testament, how is it that we are, uh, that we appoint, or we even see the early church appointing um, deacons or elders or the replacement uh, for Judas as an apostle? How is all of that done? Yeah, casting lots or coming together as a, as, a, as a group, as a local body and making a specific decision about we have some criteria, we have some principles here to utilize, to base our decision on, um, and, that's, and that's how we go about that. That's the instructions given. But, but here uh, we have a very specific calling to where this is so important to God that he calls two men specifically by name and then by his spirit gives them, uh, for all intents and purposes, he gives them a, a very uh, a extra measure of giftedness in terms of their artistry. And so we have these men who weren't appointed by sort of calling together the guild of artists to decide who's the best among them, uh, but it is God's sovereign choice. It, it literally tells us they were called by name, and they were God's personal choice for this job. And, and this calling for them as artists was so sacred that their names are preserved here in the Scriptures for us, that even though we may struggle to pronounce them accurately, that we know who they are. Um, it's, it's an amazing thing, you know, we, we look through the Scriptures and uh, it's easy to sort of read over the names of people. Um, and in the grand scheme of things, in the midst of their lives at the time, and we're going to look at this in our text in Colossians even this morning, that while it seems at the time that many of these people are just sort of insignificant individuals going about their daily lives, doing their job, doing the things God has skilled them with and gifted them with, um, they just don't seem to be all that much. But here we are thousands of years later, 
mentioning their names and talking about these specific individuals and the things that God did with them. These are ordinary men who were given extraordinary gifts by God in order to bring about his purposes. And, uh, and I think that's important for all of us to remember in our own specific and unique callings and vocations that uh, we're all important to God and we all serve a specific purpose and specifically as we look here today, the artisans, those who do art. Uh, you may not uh, be remembered like uh, Van Gogh and Picasso, uh, but, um, but it matters. It matters what you do to bring glory to God and God remembers that in the same way that he names his artists and calls them by name here in the scriptures that we can talk about them all these years later. And so what we see, though, is that these two men were not just called, they were also gifted. God gave them skill, ability, and knowledge. So let's talk about those three things. What is, think about the difference between those, first of all, and maybe the first two are a little difficult to distinguish between, but what is skill, ability, and knowledge? What is skill? Okay. Yeah, so you have a very specific thing that you're capable of doing. And so there we would probably talk about uh, the individual's talent, right? That's how we generally talk about it. Someone has the talent, they have, the, uh, they, they have a, a specific gift to be able to do this task, whatever that is. And in this case, to work with stone or to work with metal or to work with wood. Um, so we have this, this talent here. Now, what about... Um, uh, what about uh, ability? Yeah. Good. And again, remember, this comes back to, as Steve's saying, doing things in a very specific way, right? We're not just looking at someone who can, uh, who can chisel at stone with a hammer and a chisel. We're looking at someone who can do that well. Yes. Well, I understand. <laughs> But my name is on the sign at the golf course and yours isn't, so. <laughs> Derek. Yeah, good. Good. Another, another way this is often um, translated is skill and intelligence. But then intelligence and knowledge are two things that are... Um, sometimes uh, difficult to distinguish between. But that would underscore that this is someone who doesn't know, again, how to just work with their hands, but to do so in a way uh, that is, uh, is with exact understanding of how do, I, how do I do this in such a way that it, it brings about the result I want. How do I shade this so it looks realistic versus what uh, I would do, for example? <laughs> Yeah. So would this be, you mentioned like, you go to the place, you see these guys that can take a chainsaw, a block of wood, and make a bear out of it. Yeah. It's between someone like, who, even someone who can take that and do a basic bear out of that is better than me, but then you get his buddy next to him who can do it very intricately. You know, is that it? Is it like a level of... Yeah, I think, I think that's part of it, that there's, uh, yeah, we can probably all... Uh, start up a chainsaw and cut down a tree, but to be able to now take that uh, with, uh, with a specific ability to be able to carve something more specific out of it, uh, that's, it's, that's 
special, right? <laughs> it's a special gift, yeah. Yeah, and knowledge is, is the, the last part of this. And, and these, it, it's interesting if you look at the arts especially, it's one of the few areas of people gaining skill where there are still apprentice, uh, apprenticeships, right? Now, there's some of the trades still have that, but especially in, uh, in the arts or anything that requires some level of creativity, that we're, we're learning from others and there's this base of knowledge that is being uh, passed along that is very personalized. It's very much, um, it's, it's not necessarily something that can always be taught to a, a room full of people uh, from a whiteboard, right? There, there needs some, uh, some specific uh, training there. Um, and so a gift in the arts means the artist must know specific things. Of the properties of the materials they're utilizing and how to use them in such a way that they are going to work well together, uh, knowing uh, what kinds of, uh, if you mix this color with this color, what color does it make? Or can I use uh, this kind of paint with this kind of uh, material? And are they, going to, uh, are they going to work? All of these kinds of things, they require a specific type of knowledge. And so this is a gift uh, from God. And so the difference between a work of any kind being executed and uh, simply done versus it being uh, done well are, are very uh, different, right? I can, I can draw uh, a picture of a face, and hopefully you would at least know it's a picture of a face, uh, but it's not going to look like the picture of a face that... Uh, that a, a real artist is going to draw in terms of someone who is very skilled at this, right? That doesn't mean that uh, what I've done isn't art, but it's not good art. And we need to be willing to say that, right? That, that there are things that are good because God celebrates what's good and true and beautiful. And if what I have designed isn't good and doesn't reflect the truth and it's not beautiful... Uh, then we, sh- we, should, we should say that, right? We should indicate that um, if that's the intent, if the intent is to convey something that is very realistic, right? Uh, Charlie, did you have something? Yeah, yeah, at least have an understanding of what you want it to look like and how to get to that place. Good. Sure. Yeah. No matter how much training you do, you can't, right. Right, exactly. And, and this, uh, this is one of my big rubs with what we often tell children. Uh, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whoever you want to be. Well, uh, no, you can't, right? God gives specific gifts, and he may not have given you those gifts, and that's okay. But he's gifted you in some other way, and that's, that's fine. And I think that's something, uh, you know, parents especially need to be aware of this because sometimes we want our kids to sort of be like mini reflections of us and all that we do and the way that we do it. And they just, they, they may not have those skills. They may not be gifted in that way. They may not even be interested in those things. And so uh, we, we, need to, uh, we need to be aware of that. Uh, I, don't, I think my... My father didn't really know what to do with the fact that I was very into music and I played the piano. Uh, I, you know, what, is, what do I do with this? Uh, he's, uh, he's pretty much 
grew up in a very, uh, you know, his dad, when he dropped him off at college, uh, pulled up to the sidewalk and said, grab your bag and get out. He didn't even get out of the car. Uh, so that's kind of the, the world he grew up in with his father. And then now he has a son who's, uh, you know, practicing the piano for hours at a time. He didn't really... Uh, and, and so we, can, we tend to do that because we don't really, we may not understand what they're into because our skills or our gifts or our knowledge is different. Uh, it was the same when we tried to work out math problems. It usually ended up in, uh, in me crying at some point because I just didn't understand. Why don't you get it? Well, I don't know. I don't know why I don't get it. I just don't. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and there's a lot, I, that, as you're talking, it reminded me, um, just uh, this weekend I read uh, Fahrenheit 451, uh, Ray Bradbury's book, and Ray Bradbury never, uh, he graduated high school and that was it. He didn't go to school to learn how to write, or he didn't have an English degree or anything else, but he's written some uh, pretty amazing works uh, that we're still reading today and, uh, and are being challenged by and given a lot to think about. So. Um, that, that's, that's often the case. And, and this is where we see this very thing that, that everyone's talking about, is that God gives specific gifts, specific skill that we need to acknowledge and we need to recognize as such. And, and just because we may not understand it or we may not have it or we may not get all the ins and outs of it, that we're not uh, demeaning it, that we're not belittling it, that we're not talking badly about it, but we're recognizing it for what it is and saying, that's uh, maybe not something I completely grasp, but I recognize it as a God-given gift, and therefore it's something that I should um, acknowledge and find a way to appreciate for what it is and for what God has gifted an individual uh, to do. I don't imagine there's a lot of uh, poetry buffs in here, maybe a few that like to read poetry. Uh, my experience is a lot of people read poetry and just say, well, it doesn't rhyme, so what's the point, <laughs> right? Well, uh, most poetry doesn't actually rhyme. Um, that's not necessarily the point of it. Uh, but um, really, it, it takes a significant amount of thought and uh, work to be able to write a good poem that communicates what it is intended to communicate. And uh, we're going to look at that in a few weeks and uh, think a bit about that. But again, that's an area where I think uh, we're just, uh, we just brush it off and say, I don't like that. And so we just don't think about the fact that God has uniquely gifted, and we see much poetry in the scriptures, uniquely gifted people to be able to do that. Sam? Right, an international bestseller, right. <laughs> That's a great point. Uh, m most of us and our works will not be remembered past our, at least our children or our grandchildren at most, right? <laughs> our grandkids, depending how long, uh, how old they are as we live, they may remember things about us, but beyond that, uh, we're, we're dust in the wind. Uh, well, I will be too, quite honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this is the reality that we all have to come to terms with, right? Uh, in our own lives, uh, but we also need to acknowledge this in uh, the lives of others and the fact that God has uh, done this for a specific purpose. Yeah, Derek. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a great point. And I, I know a lot of times Christians struggle with that, with even receiving any kind of um, positive uh, encouragement or reinforcement or anything else. And we just try to always deflect these things instead of saying, well, hey, that's great. Praise God. I'm thankful that that was a blessing to you or that meant something important to you or that was helpful, useful, whatever it is that, uh, you know, praise God for that. And that's how we as Christians should be talking and we should be using that kind of language, uh, not just in the church, but this is one of the ways that we live our Christian lives in the world, that uh, when, uh, when you're at, at work and your boss uh, praises you for something that is well done, that you would say, well, praise God. I'm, I'm glad it worked out well. I'm glad that I did a good job, and I, I thank God for the opportunity and the ability to do so. This very simple language that gives glory to God, even in those uh, circumstances. Um, if you'll notice uh, in, the, in the text, um, these gifts came from God, but very specifically it says that they came by the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit is the one who is gifting these men. Um, and so presumably these men already had some kind of natural ability, some kind of natural talent, but they're be give, they've been given this special commission, and with that comes a special gifting, a special ability to carry out what they were called to do. Um, and so in order to do this, they're inspired in the true sense of the word. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, in the same way that you see, for example, when the apostles early on were going in front of the Sanhedrin, and it says they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, that doesn't mean they didn't have the Holy Spirit already. It doesn't mean that uh, the Holy Spirit wasn't with them or that they were saved by some other means. It was certainly the work of the Spirit uh, dwelling within them. But it means that there is this, this special calling, this special point in time where the Spirit is, um, is overwhelmingly present in what is being done. And I think that is very much the case in what is happening here. Now... The calling of these artists, and this gets to my question from last week, reflects a very deep truth about the character of God. Is God an artist? I'm going to put that question out there first, and then I'll take a stab at answering that. Heather says no. Who else? Who says no? All right. A couple no. Who says yes? All right. Who has no idea? All right, that's good, honest, good. All right, so someone tell me why not. Why do you say God is not an artist? Yeah, good. So it's the difference between talking about an artist versus the artist or as using biblical terminology, the creator. Yeah, good, okay. Uh, do you, uh, Ronnie, will you? you I think she made my point very well. Yeah. Because I mean, if you're talking about the semantics of an artist, I don't know. But yeah. Okay, good. Ronnie? Okay. Any other comments on that question? Any other thoughts you want to add? Mm-hmm. Okay. He's using artistic language there, right? Sure. Good. Well, along those lines, let me give you a very subversive answer to all of this. <laughs> Is God an artist? Yes and no. Uh, and here's what I mean by that. Uh, it, if that's a choice. 
Uh, yeah, well, no, I didn't. I, trick, trick question, right? Uh, along the lines of what Heather and Ronnie are saying, I would agree that uh, as we define what an artist is, we're talking about someone who has been given a specific gift to utilize materials, raw materials that have been created by God in order to create something that is a representation of what God has done in this world or what God has created, right? And so any art that is done, whether it is, uh, it is visual art or music or literature or anything else, it is, uh, it is a step removed from reality and it's a representation of something in reality and therefore it is imaging that which God himself has created with the materials that God has created. So all the materials in order to do that uh, had to come from, from God initially, right, in order that it could even be done. So in that sense, God is not an artist in that he wasn't gifted with a specific ability, as Heather is saying, uh, nor is he using raw materials that were already created. No, he created the materials in order that it be done. And so if we're defining artists along those lines, then no, God is not an artist. But God as supreme artist is one who created these amazing, beautiful sunsets that we get to look at at night, or if you, uh, if you are able to go outside of the earth and look at the, look at the earth as it uh, just is just there in the middle of space and the beautiful globe, it's, I know it's flat, but it still looks like a globe, <laughs> right, <laughs> that we get to see this, and it's just magnificent, and it's beauty, and it's, it's glory, and in that sense, uh, we see things uh, that God has created, and uh, and we have uh, we have a sense in which this is what the truly beautiful is. As we talk about the good and the true and the beautiful, and in that sense, we see uh, what the greatest art, if you will, of all time uh, looks like. And so, in that sense, God is the supreme artist, but He is the creator. And so I think it depends on how we're defining what an artist is and how we answer uh, that question. And so depending on when someone says that, don't jump down their throat right away. Just ask a few questions and see what they mean by that uh, so we can understand something of, of what's going on. But I, I prefer the language of saying God is creator and man as artist uh, because of how we're defining uh, art or artist. I saw a hand up over. Oh, Sam. Yeah, and I, I think um, probably the main reason that would matter is if we go back to the conversation we had the last two weeks, specifically with regard to the second commandment and, um, and God creating certain things that we've looked at uh, that we could look at and say, well, isn't that an image? But that was ordained by God and that was very specifically given by God for a specific purpose. Um, why is it different for God to do that versus man? So, for example, um, well, never mind. We don't have time. It's we're at the end. <laughs> I'll pick it up there next week. Uh, any uh, concluding uh, comment? Yeah, Heather. Right, because they've created something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm going to quote you on uh, kooky artist friends. I like that description. But yes, I think that's important, Heather, that we recognize the distinction because there is um, 
a natural sinful tendency of mankind in whatever we do to uh, give all the glory to ourselves. And as you're saying, many artists have compared themselves uh, to, to God in what they have done because they say, you know, God created out of nothing and I created out of nothing. Uh, don't worry about all those materials that I used in order to do that, right? Mark, you had something? Sure. Uh, there's, uh, there's this great little video you can, uh, you can Google on YouTube. Now, it's about capitalism. However, I think it speaks to all of this. And it's Milton Friedman talking about the creation of a pencil. And he's just talking about something Adam Smith wrote uh, a long time ago. Um, but uh, it's, it's the idea that a pencil uh, isn't, it's not just something someone goes and throws together really quickly. Right, you had that. You you had you have the tree and the lead and the the rubber and the metal and all the and the paint and everything that goes into and those are different crafts, different artisans, different workers in different fields and and all this comes together and we create this pencil that at the end of the day, uh, based on everything it took to make that, should cost uh, thousands of dollars. But uh, because of the miracle of capitalism, it's just a few cents. But that's a different class altogether. <laughs> Good. All right. Time's up. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, again so much for our time, for our discussion, for the opportunity to, uh, to think theologically, to think deeply about uh, what we see in your word and what you have done in encouraging, inspiring, uh, gifting, uh, in the giving of talent, in the giving of skill, in the giving of knowledge. And uh, Lord, many of us may not even recognize it, but uh, the art that you have inspired are all around us, and we all take them in all day, every day. And uh, I pray that uh, in our continued study of this uh, specific subject matter that you would help us to understand and see clearly and have a a greater grasp uh, and a, a greater thankfulness and appreciation for what you have done in gifting people to do these things, that you would be glorified and that we uh, would uh, be amazed at what you have given people the ability to do. And so we thank you and pray, Lord, that you continue to help us as we um, discover these things together. And I pray now that you would prepare all of our hearts as we come together to worship you in spirit and in truth, and that you would be glorified in our time of, of worship in our time of understanding in your word, in our time of singing and praying together and hearing your word read and, and proclaimed, that all of it would bring glory to you and that your church would be uh, edified and fulfilled and challenged and grown. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.